Thank you for tuning in to the Royals in Action broadcast today. Your participation means a lot to us. The essence of this program is to educate you on how to apply the Word of God practically to bring about positive outcomes in your daily situations. And joining us for this insightful journey is R.K. Achina. God bless you. Let's give glory to God as we turn to Luke chapter 12. The book of Luke chapter 12. I want you to take a moment right now to ready yourselves in body, mind, and spirit for the reading of God's word. Let us ponder the truths found in this page and see what James we can discover. Amen. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 21. And I read, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, So, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Amen. Today, I'd like us to take some time to look into the subject, gathering heavenly riches. Gathering heavenly riches. Laying up treasures toward God rather than yourself. Gathering heavenly riches. Eliminating greed. Eliminating covetousness. Eliminating selfish gain and storing up wealth toward God. Let's look at verse 13 again. It says, One person in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And from these words, you can tell that his brother had taken control of all the properties, even though the inheritance was divided equally among them leaving him feeling cheated and betrayed. So at face value, his request of Jesus to ask his brother to divide inheritance appears to be reasonable. Given that he regarded Jesus as a rabbi and rabbis were expected, expected to settle legal matters, but Jesus refused. Why? Because a positive legal decision would not address his genuine problem, which was his greediness and not his brother's unfairness. 
let me ask you this have you ever experienced a situation where you thought you knew what was wrong and if only you could fix it you would be happy again however when you put your solution into practice you realized the issue was still there <laughs> have you been there sometimes we go like if only I could marry Mr. So-and-so, I'll get rid of this sense of isolation. If only I could move away and have my own place, I would escape this oppressive atmosphere. If only I could gain the position of vice president. If only I could acquire the latest model of the Mercedes, then I would achieve the admiration I've always desired. Have you been there? Once we finally get an answer to what we thought was the problem, only to find out that it wasn't the answer we needed, then we are left feeling disheartened. Why is that? Why is that? Somebody tell me. Because we are often too caught up in trying to find answers, answers to our troubles from the outside without realizing that the actual issues really lie within. It's no shock to me because God has made it clear that man always looks on the outside. That's the appearance. But God always looks on the inside, which is the heart. That's typical of mankind. Because mankind is always sensitive to the external world rather than the internal world the individual in the crowd thought his biggest issue was unfairness but that was an incorrect assumption because he was judging from the outside his main issue was greed <laughs> which was hidden away in his heart he probably saw his brother you know living the glamorous life wearing designer clothes you know dining on lavish meals and thought to himself man that could have been me his covetousness had taken over his greed had overwhelmed him he thought he could hide that but you know even though covetousness is an internal feeling it can never be concealed. <laughs> it corrupts you from the inside out. It starts off with mere thoughts which form vivid images and fantasies in the mind, which can stir up a powerful longing to have something that belongs to somebody else. It then takes hold of your words and soon becomes part of your attitude. Eventually, everything you say will be tainted by greed. No matter how you phrase it, even when you are speaking rationally and wisely, there will always be a trace of greed in it. <laughs> Notice that the man's request to Jesus for his brother 
to evenly divide their inheritance seemed reasonable at first glance. Yet, his selfish intention was revealed. His greed had exposed them. Simon, a sorcerer in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 18, he witnessed the apostles giving the Holy Spirit through laying on of hands. He then asked the apostles to provide him with the same authority and power, offering them money in exchange. <laughs> in a friendly tone, he said, give me this authority and power so that anyone on whom I lay my hands will receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when you think about this, Simon's request was very sensible. He wanted to help more people to receive the Holy Spirit. And it seemed like a good idea at a time. But as you can clearly see, he attempted to buy the Spirit's power, displaying a clear example of greed. When greed consumes you, your words and actions will give you away, trust me. It was this covetousness that exposed the man in the crowd. It became so clear in his words that Jesus had to pause for a second to tell the people a parable. A parable about a farmer who managed to beat all the agricultural odds and achieve great success. Now, did this farmer do something wrong? Think about it. Was it because he was too successful? Can success be too much of a burden? Nah, no, I don't think so. Look, God never opposes our success. As a matter of fact, there are numerous success stories of notable people in the Bible that actually came from God himself. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I hear some folks preaching against material wealth and prosperity, I go like, man, what kind of Bible have they been reading? <laughs> Haven't they read in Genesis 13 verse 2 that Abram was extremely wealthy in livestock, silver and gold? How about that? The book of Psalms 35 verse 27 says, God delights and takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. <laughs> well, if they keep up this attitude, they're going to continue wearing the same clothes, driving the same vehicle, and living in the same home for the rest of their lives. Being ignorant of the fact that money itself is not evil, will cause you to perish and this mindset can lead to an intense hatred and resentment of those whom God has blessed with wealth do you agree so money itself is not bad it is the love for it it is the desire for it that can lead to dangerous consequences 
because I'm telling you if you don't accept that God desires for you to have both spiritual and material abundance then you'll be missing out missing out on all the wealthy lifestyle that belongs to you as an ambassador of Christ note I said ambassador of Christ an official representative of a king now think about this for a second if God could bless Job who was just a servant of God not a son of God not even an heir to God's throne not an ambassador of Christ if God blessed him with 40,000 sheep 6,000 camels 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys how much more you how much more you the sons and daughters of God tell me how much more you the rightful heirs to his throne the royal citizens of God's kingdom how much more you the ambassadors of Christ amen it's completely clear that it wasn't the farmer's taxes that caused him problems so what was it did he get his riches dishonestly i don't think so because if he did jesus wouldn't leave out that information as a matter of fact the text says the land of this farmer produced plentifully now the phrase produced plentifully gives us a clue of the person responsible for this abundant harvest deuteronomy 30 verse 9 says you cause your fields to produce an abundant harvest for the lord will again delight in being good to you as he was to your ancestors this points out that the farmer's fortune was not attained by any unethical means rather it was God who blessed the labor of his hands and caused his field to produce plentifully amen now if this farmer wasn't guilty of these things what were his wrongdoings then? I'm gonna give you three things he did wrong according to this parable. Number one, in your notes, he wasn't thankful to God. He wasn't thankful to God. I've just proven to you it was God who was behind this plentiful harvest but what if the man didn't realize it was god well that's a weak excuse he should at least think about why he achieved such great success this was not the first time he had worked on that land in the past he had not seen the same level of success as he was now which is why he was considering building bigger barns right Sometimes, can we not see that it is God's doing 
when taking your final exams, you felt unsure of your answers. Yet, miraculously, you got an A. Even when you glimpsed the results, you were so nervous that you could only open one eye. How could you not recognize that it was God's doing? Sometimes you are just flat out of cash and you don't know who to turn to for help. But then out of the blue, just out of the blue, an old friend or even a stranger gives you like 100 bucks for no reason at all. How could you not recognize that it was God's doing? You applied for a job and after messing up in the interview, you felt discouraged and started looking for new opportunities. Then unexpectedly, you received an email with a job offer. What evidence? Tell me, tell me, what, what evidence do you need again to prove that it was God? How could you not recognize that it was God behind it? How could the farmer not see that it was God? This extraordinary agricultural success he had was clearly a sign of God's presence. And we were all expecting that he would proclaim, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? But he neglected these and was filled with pride. He chose to take all the credit for himself instead of giving glory to God. Amen. Number two, he forgot he was human. <laughs> he said to his soul in verse 19, So, you have ample goods laid up for many, many years. For many years? You sure it's many years? So, he didn't realize he was mortal and wouldn't necessarily live for many years. <laughs> And he forgot that the ample goods in which he was rejoicing could be taken from him. It didn't take Job a week to lose it all. It didn't take Job a week to lose it all. He failed to realize that thieves could break into his barns and steal everything. On top of that, grains are perishable, you see, and vulnerable. To insects which can ruin them all also ample goods can never satisfy the soul or the spirit <laughs> it can only satisfy the flesh and remember having wealth on the outside might not bring you inner wealth in spirit and soul <laughs> And beyond material possessions, there is peace. Beyond material possessions, there is joy, a happy home life, recognition, and meaningful friendships which money cannot buy. Amen. Sadly for this farmer, he was deceived, deceived by money's false sense of security and lacked an understanding 
an understanding of what true prosperity meant. Number three, he didn't care about other people's needs. <laughs> he was full of greed. You see, greed is like the man who told his pastor he'll give the church money. Money if you want big from gambling. And despite being incredibly sick, he won, he won, and his health suddenly improved. Now, <laughs> when the pastor asked him about his promise, the man replied, I was too sick to remember what I said. <laughs> I was too sick to remember what I said. And that's what greed does to people. It makes them thoroughly selfish. Now the Greek word for greed is pleonexia. <laughs> and that literally means the desire for having more. Always having more and more and still more. Amen. It's just like a man trying to quench his thirst with salt water. It only makes him thirstier. <laughs> so he drinks more and more until he eventually dies of thirst. <laughs> and that's what the farmer did. He didn't think about how others might need some of his grain. All he cared about was tearing down his barns and building bigger ones. Trying to save his grain and keep it away from everyone else. Do you know that the fastest way to lose something is to take a defensive stance and just keep what we already have instead of sharing it? Do you know that? Consider Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. The widow only had a limited quantity of flour in a jar and a bit of olive oil in a jug. Had she been selfish and kept these resources just for her and her son, man, they would have perished. They would have perished just as she had feared. But the Lord bestowed his grace upon the woman after she gave away her last food supplies, providing sustenance each day for her and her family. Amen. So the farmer's perspective was likely similar to what many people think today. He thought giving implies losing what you have. He may have been concerned that by giving his grace to others, it would reduce his own supply. But that would be surprising, right? Because farmers are so familiar with the concept of giving as they practice it every single day. They bestow upon Mother Earth seeds on a daily basis. And these seeds return to them exponentially, more than what was initially sown. So it's a little unusual 
for the farmer to be so greedy in giving of his grains out. Giving doesn't mean you're losing your money. It means you've invested. And what do you expect an investment to do? You're right, to yield more. And that's exactly what Jesus meant when he said, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Amen. Do you recognize that those who are most in need of money are often those <laughs> who rarely give and always expect to receive? Man, if that's the case with you, it's time to make a change. Start giving instead of taking. Because there is far more blessing in giving than receiving. Amen. Finally, God tells the farmer that his soul will be required of him. Not after many years, but this very night. God himself would demand it from him. Now, the farmer was so foolish for believing he could control his life's end. He had forgotten that he had no knowledge of when it would end. <laughs> he should have reminded himself of the words of Psalms 39 verse 4. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. For verily, every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. Amen. Jesus speaks to us today. Trust not in your riches. Riches have a single flaw. They can't be taken with you after death. Don't let your wealth define your life. For it has no real value at the end. Watch out. Be on your guard against greed of every description. Colossians 3 verse 5 says to put to death covetousness, which is idolatry. Once in a while, take a moment to reflect on yourself. Ask yourself honestly, am I greedy? Do I find joy in helping and giving to good causes? Or am I selfish? Do I have an excessive desire for material items, honor, prestige, or position? Depending on your answers to these questions, you can determine if you are laying up treasures on earth where they could be stolen or if you are gathering riches in heaven. Thank you. God richly bless Thank you for joining us in this enlightening journey today. Before we wrap up, subscribe to our podcast so you're kept in the loop about our next amazing episodes. To join our community or support our ministry, click the link in the description or visit royalsinaction.org. Until next time, Royals in Action is here to remind you to embrace your destiny as a chosen channel of God's royalty. God bless you.